Okay, hello and welcome to Upgrade Thought. So, today I will be releasing part two of my conversation with Manu. So in part one, long story short, this this summary is not going to do the conversation justice because the conversation was just incredible, loaded with information. I, I highly recommend that you go listen to it. However, if you didn't listen to it or can't or don't want to for whatever reason, basically we just talked uh, for the first hour about stories and why they are so important to Manu and why he's so passionate about them and why he feels that you can learn so much in terms of facts and ideas and lessons through immersing yourself in great stories. So the second part of the conversation, which I have not released yet and I'm releasing today, is about man's search for meaning. So I, along with a couple other friends, including Manu, have been doing a book club where we have been reading Man's Search for Meaning. We're not even done with the book yet, but we're, we're almost there, slowly but surely. And basically, in this segment of the conversation, we talked about what our takeaways were from this book. Now, the book is just incredible. I mean, Manu even states during the episode that it it's it should be mandatory reading for every single person on earth i mean the book is just incredible here's the premise uh victor frankel was a psychologist who uh survived the concentration camps in europe in the 1940s and basically in the book he talks about how he dealt with the psychological challenges of being stripped of basically every single human right that you could possibly be stripped of so the book is just, it's just incredible. I mean, in in terms of a masterclass of how to respond to the greatest of suffering that you could possibly face as a human, I mean, this the book is just so meaningful, and I'm really excited to put out this episode because I, I, I just feel like it's such a meaningful topic, and I really hope that, you know, if nothing else, this can help somebody reframe their perspective at least a little bit about you know, some challenge that they might be going through. You know, I've, right now, for example, I mean, I'm not going through anything huge, but there are a variety of small challenges uh, in my college experience, that things that I'm not used to. You know, when you go to college, there's a whole multitude of things in your life that that change. And, you know, anybody who's going to college or who's starting knows that. So, and, and that can be hard. And right now, I'm really trying to keep Viktor Frankl's philosophy at the front of my mind, uh, as I as I navigate those uh, that wide array of challenges, so I hope that this episode can, you know, provide some insight in into uh, how to react to suffering because you know the book certainly has for me, and in this episode we're reflecting upon this book. Now, I will say this episode does not do the book justice, and I'm going to put out more episodes about the book in the future. Those also will not do the book justice. The only way to fully get all the information from the book is to read it. Read this book. I'm telling you, you need to read it. It's just incredible. But I am hopeful that these episodes will be extremely informative and, you know, provide a a nice perspective into how some of this information might get applied to, you know, more smaller scale, but you know, more frequent challenges that people face. And that's what we sort of talk about today is, you know, how what, what we take away from this book, what we make of the, the philosophy of it. 
and you know how how the thought process behind it should help us live our lives in the best way possible one last thing manu just started his own podcast called notes of a cornell student i'm going to leave the link to his channel in the show description so definitely click on that and go watch all of them it's great stuff as always because it's manu and he's a genius so go check that out anyway let's get into this episode of upgrade thought okay well you want to talk about man's search for meaning a bit yeah sure uh so (laughs) i know we've been uh kind of we went a little ghost as far as the the (laughs) yeah yeah no that's bro okay about about that so (laughs) i have at multiple points in the last few weeks felt like going on the group and saying all right here's when we're meeting here's what we're gonna do but like i've been i've had so many problems and not giving excuses just giving like my reasoning for why i've had so many problems and uh you know things coming up before going to college that i've just been uh can't say that word uh i can't say that one either uh just been uh, been bad about it and that's it (laughs) silent speech man (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly yeah we all know yeah i I felt terrible about it because i i value that but our we have a book club where we did man search for meaning and i value that so much because i i had so much fun uh dissecting that book and thinking about that book and i value that thing so much and so yeah i'm sad that we haven't and i haven't um, you know, taking responsibility to make that happen. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I guess we no, can talk about it. Yeah, it's it's a collective fault. We also messed yeah. that up. Uh, but yeah, I mean, everyone's got stuff going on, and we're definitely not putting it putting it down forever. We're, we'll definitely revisit it. But what so far, even I mean, we've read a good bulk of the book. What do you make of it so far? It's it should be mandatory reading for every person on earth. There's not a single person on earth that should not read this book, especially after something like uh, the Barbie movie comes out and, and people think that's okay as a movie. Uh, just, actually, I'm not going to go there, but every person on this planet should should read this book and un- try at least try and understand the ideas within it. Trying is all that matters. I, I don't care if you succeed. Um, just please, like, because the ideas in this book are so raw and related to the base of human nature. Like these people that are described in the book, him included, are you know they've been stripped of their humanity. Basically, well, to just I don't know summarize what we're talking about. The book's about the the life experience of Viktor Frankl, a psychologist in the Nazi concentration camps. And it's so funny. We're talking about stories. Frankl uses his story as a tool to make you understand his ideas. He could have written a book just about his ideas with regards to logotherapy and the last like 20 pages of the book. That could be a book by itself. It just wouldn't be nearly as powerful without his story at the 
at the forefront of it because that makes you understand why this is a person worth listening to, why his ideas mean something. And that's, that's kind of the idea that I was talking about where stories are the best communicators of ideas because there's so many books like the last part of what we read and his like psychology as a science of logotherapy. There's so many books like that but there aren't that many books that weave narrative into it. And not only is it a narrative, it's a narrative that actually happened. I'm still, I'm just gonna, yes. Okay. There's a difference. Fine. For now, it actually happened and it could have happened conceivably to you. And so it just makes it so much more powerful. Everything that he says is punctuated by the suffering that you read and yeah, it's just, it's amazing. Yeah. I think a huge part of stories is that you can actually, and, and like you talked about how Frankel weaves in the narrative, you can actually see the principles in practice. I think that's a huge benefit to intaking information through a story as opposed to kind of the textbook way. Cause when you see it in a textbook, you can memorize it, but you can't, there's something missing because you can't fully process it. Like when you hear it in a story, even if there's less information, there's it's it. I feel like it's more applicable because you can actually see it in practice in people's lives. And I think that's what, you know, it's very easy. A lot of the ideas in man's search for meaning, they're easy to talk about. Like we can, we can sit here and talk about how to, how to react to suffering, but we're not, we're, that's easy to say when you haven't experienced real suffering. And what Viktor Frankl experienced is like the, like, it's, it's hard to top that level of suffering. Like that is, that yeah, is, that is your suffering. And he still shows the application of the psychological principles that he's talking about. And I just find that, and and the way he writes the book is he has the story first. It's like, it's so much easier to process the information once I've like, when it's paired with the application of the information, as opposed to kind of the textbook approach where it's like, here's, if, if you're in this situation, do this, but Frankel lays it all out. And he, he gives an example of just pure suffering in a concentration camp and he's still applying these principles, which to me is like, that's, it's unmatched as far as a, a book about psychology. Uh, exactly. And one of the core ideas, which I'd like to get into a little bit because we talked about it, but his idea of suffering, right? He's like you said, there, it's hard to top that level of suffering and he'd be full with well, well within his rights to say, it doesn't matter how much you're suffering because look at me, look at how much I'm suffering and how I'm able to overcome this. So obviously you can't do that. Could, that could have been his message and, and it is many people's, but it's, that's not what his message is. His message is everyone's suffering. Everyone that feels pushed down by the world you all have a responsibility to keep moving regardless of how much that suffering is. It's a weird kind of equality and it's unfair. 
but he's still advocating for it because that's the that's the best way to deal with it. You know that that quote uh, he had the Dostoevsky quote that I said made me cry. Um, there's only one thing I dread, not to be worthy of my sufferings. And man, like I can tell you right now, like this month I haven't been worthy of my sufferings. Like I've you know I've had some pretty bad problems and you know i i I just let them take over me and not you know done the things i needed to do that i wanted to do through them and so it's 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 hard but like read man's search for meaning and understand why it's necessary to change your outlook on your suffering to not blame the world to look within yourself and to understand that that suffering is part of life. That's, that's just how it is. And how you respond to those circumstances are, is the only thing you can control. The only thing that is truly yours. And that's, that's what freedom is. That's what, uh, you know, my guy Camus talks about. Um, it's my philosophy that, that I've, you know, that I've said my life, I want to, I want my life to reflect of absurdism. I believe that the only way to be truly free in this universe is to respond how you want to respond to the greatest suffering in your life, to control how you respond to it. That's that's the that's the that's at the very least the most free you can be. Yeah, that's that's great. Love that. Um, yeah, I, dude, I don't. <laughs> that's I I can't I can't top that explanation, man. That's that's <laughs> you, hit the, you hit the nail on the head. I guess yeah. One of the questions that I'd have for you after reading this book is a lot of what he talks about is finding one's finding one's purpose. And, and I mean, the title of oh, man's search. Yeah. For thing. Uh, and I think one of the things that I think is really interesting about you, and this again, goes back to the, the whole stories thing is that you, I feel like you have, you're on track to figuring out like, like you have an idea of like what, what you, you can't fully explain it yet, but you have a feeling of like, this is my purpose. How does, how does one go about finding their, their, their meaning, the meaning of their life? Man, you asked some really easy questions. Uh, <laughs> 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 and, um, you know, it, um, did you watch Oppenheimer? Yeah. So I am someone that needs the, the words, theory can only take you so far knocked into my head on a daily basis because you know i i'm someone that really struggles to actually implement the ideas that i have i i I, i'm trying to get better at it but it's yeah i i find it hard and surrounding myself with people that get after it every day like Bennett like Alex that you know that makes me 
that makes me feel motivated. And it is the same thing with the creative writing workshop in the 10th grade when I was surrounded by people that had the same kind of passion as me for whatever, for anything. It just made me feel like, yes, this is right. This is, it's not just me. And maybe, maybe it should just be me. Maybe I should be okay with, you know, just having to go at myself and not needing uh, validation from someone else. It's not exactly validation, but this idea of seeing someone else do what they want to do, it really inspires me. And that's, we're kind of getting away from your question about how someone finds their, their meaning or their passion. But I just wanted to outline the fact that I have it. Like I kind of have an idea of one thing I want to figure out, but what I want to do tangibly in life, I have no clue, man. I am in the sec, and I'm not afraid to say that I'm in the second year of my college career and I have no close to figuring out what my major is going to be. I'm no close to figuring out what career path I want to take. I love stories. I would like to do something where I can explore my love of stories. Um, I love talking to people. But I understand who I am. That's what I've been focusing on for the last three to four years. I know myself very, very well. When everyone around me was focusing on getting into a good college, I was focusing on figuring out who I am and who I want to be. And through that, I figured out my love of stories. When I spent time with myself, when I started to understand and the, the, you know, it, this is an abstract concept, but it starts with things like, what do you like? What do you dislike? What kind of people do you like to surround yourself with? <laughs> Are you an introvert? What kind of time intervals do you need? Like it can go that niche. What kind of time intervals do you need to be with people and need to be alone? I think understanding yourself is the best way to figure out what you're passionate about and what can give your life meaning because I think, and I've, well, I've seen this, obviously it's a small sample size, but I see how people live their lives. It's so fast, like always going from one thing to the next. And there's a lot of utility in that. I need some of that because sometimes I just get stuck in one place, but if you're just moving, you're just going, you're just going from, school to college to career to death okay your life's done well you didn't you didn't figure anything out maybe you're okay with that but i'm not for me taking time to understand who i am who i want to be that's what led me to understand my passion for stories and a few other ones that you know i i i'm kind of still figuring out but yeah what is taking the time to understand yourself look like that's a good question. That's a really good question. You're not, you're not letting me sit with the abstract. So for me, um, COVID, <laughs> so g- g- let the world get another pandemic <laughs> is like probably a good idea. But no, I mean, it, again, it's different for everyone, right? For, for introverts, for introverts, it would be n- not 
not forcing yourself into situations before you're ready, really taking the, the small steps because I think you need to do the opposite of what you're comfortable with to a certain extent to figure out who you are because you know when you have that that friction that resistance let's say an introvert uh goes to a party and just stays by themselves you know just doesn't talk to anyone they're comfortable just sitting on a couch and doing nothing and they just look around and analyze people and and look at what they're doing and think about would I enjoy doing that? Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. You can't really classify all introverts into one thing. So what I'm trying to get at is just spending time with your mind. It doesn't mean you don't, you don't surround yourself with people. But being comfortable with your own mind, being comfortable <laughs> talking to yourself, being comfortable asking yourself questions. What do I like? What do I dislike? And being comfortable with the answers, even if you don't like what they are, you know, I've, I've, I've kind of, it's weird. I kind of got, um, kind of got a revelation about the, the phrase, like, accept who you are. It, you know, that, that's like this phrase that's thrown around a lot. Right. And it's been bastardized in my opinion. And I, I realized this because you know, like even even Jordan Peterson says, why the hell would you want to accept who you are? Like then, you know, there's nowhere to go. You're like, you're, you're good how you are. And that's actually not what, well, that's not, that's not what psychologists mean when they're saying accept who you are. That, that is what a lot of people mean. And that's the wrong, that's the wrong definition of it, or at least there, there's no such thing as wrong definition, but there it's it's not a useful definition to me accept who you are means be comfortable with who you are and understand that there's places to go because torturing yourself thinking oh i'm not everything i could be day in and day out maybe that drives you maybe you're in such a bad place that you really need that to get out of it but i think First, accepting who you are right now and understanding that you have no right and you actually have a responsibility to get better and to move and to, to move forward in life, to progress through your story. You know, I, I, think that's, I, think that's the, I think that's one good way. The second would be to try to, to think deeply about the world. Now, this is something that might not be, um, what would you call it, appealing to a lot of people. Maybe because they think they can't do it. Maybe they think, maybe they think it's performative usually. Maybe they have a, a disdain for people who act like they think deeply about the world. You know, those kinds of people that you see who are, who are like always talking about politics or always talking about religion. And... You know, that kind of thing might put people off, but I think attempting to think deeply about the world, regardless of how good you are at it, I think that's a good way of, of figuring out what you want to do and what you're passionate about. Because 
even if you apply yourself to something that isn't as useful as your final, your final, the final thing you apply yourself to, it'll still teach you how to think about whatever you're thinking about. Like it'll, it'll teach you how to think. And that's you, that's necessary for whatever you do. If you want to, you know, be like, I think passion about something is that I think thinking deeply about something is what being passionate about it means. I think those are, I don't think you can separate the two. And so when you start thinking deeply about everything around you, maybe not everything, but more things around you, if you attempt it, you don't have to be right. You can have the dumbest thoughts in the world, but at least as, as long as you're trying. Like, okay, here's the example I like to give. Aristotle, right? Dude was wrong about like 99% of the things that he believed and thought about because of the time he was in. But we still remember him and celebrate him because he was right about some very key things. And that's because he chose to think deeply about the world at a time where that wasn't a thing. That wasn't celebrated. That wasn't a job. That wasn't the thing people do. And, you know, it's not, it's not our fault that a lot of the things that you would think deeply about that are on the surface have been thought about already. It's not your fault. But I promise you, there is more than enough to think about and excavate in this world there's more than enough for like just the stuff we've talked about right now maybe it's been talked about 50 times 500 times 5 million times before but i certainly got a lot from it i hope you got a lot from it and we're gonna we're gonna think more deeply about other things and that's i think that is what passion is at its core thinking deeply about whatever your passion is how would you relate this sort of thinking deeply about the world to stories? I was wondering if you could speak to the connection there. Thinking deeply about things and stories. The only way to create a good story is to think deeply about the world. It's actually, again, inextricably linked because if you don't think deeply about the world, your story is going to be shallow. It's going to be something that everyone can predict it's going to be something that nobody, uh, can, nobody, it's not going to be something that people can apply to their lives because it's so shallow. It's not, there, there isn't a deep understanding of how the world works. And that's what you get when you think deeply about something. And sorry, just to go back about to the passion thing, because you asked me about that. And I'm, I really, Actually, let's finish this conversation first and then we can go back to it. But yeah, um, thinking deeply about the world, I think, is the only way to come up with good stories. That's my answer. Do you think it's hard to train your mind to think deeply about the world? Or is that something that came naturally to you? Because to me, it's like I, I find myself getting caught up in my, my little whatever, my bullshit problems so mm -hmm. much. And then it's like, it's real work to have to notice that and be like, no, 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 I, I can't. The, the, the opportunity cost is too high of thinking about this. Like I need to, I need to be spending my time thinking about things that 
that really matter and affect people beyond myself. Do you, do you feel like that's a skill or did that, does that just come naturally? And how do you, how do you prime yourself to think about the world more and about your, whatever you don't want to be thinking about less? So I think it's a balance. First of all, I don't think you can stop thinking about your problems because you have to treat yourself as someone worth caring about. That's the only way you're going to be able to care about other people and the world. That's like three steps beyond. And so you can't stop thinking about your problems, but I'd say most people have at least, uh, unless you're Viktor Frankl, who also managed to think about the world deeply, you know, it, you can find pockets within your problems. Let's take the worst case scenario. Let's take Viktor Frankl. You know, he, he could think about his, his wife in the throes of his suffering. And I called that deep thinking. Like he, I don't, I forgot what reminded him of her, but that kind of deep thinking can come from anything. It can, you know, I, I, I remember, uh, I was having a, a conversation. Uh, I've forgotten about it. But the point is, like, you can you can find things to think deeply about. It's just such a buzzword now, but to think deeply about everywhere in your life and, and everyday suffering as well. You know, like, what's a mundane problem someone has? Um, you can even you can even flip it on its head, like. Oh, look at me. I'm I'm so bothered by this insignificant thing when there are real world problems out there. But maybe I need to fix this problem before I can go out and help other people in the real world. That's that's a that's a deeper way of thinking about your problem than just oh, I have this problem. I don't know what to do. Forget it. What what's the point of life? You know, that's it's a it's a <laughs> it's a, it's a kind of a dumb example, but it's one way of it's one way of adapting your suffering to deep thinking and practicing it. Okay. Developing it is hard if you don't do it. Like it's easy if you practice it because it, it, it's, it, it doesn't require anything than other than you being awake. Like that's the only thing you need to start thinking more deeply about the, about your surroundings. And you can't think deeply about everything. Like you're, unless you want to be a social pariah, you can't, you know, start spouting, uh, Victor Frankl and Dostoevsky in conversation. Maybe you can, but <laughs> you're going to have to adapt it. But I don't believe anyone that says they don't have time for deep thinking because it doesn't need to be, you know, understanding Marxism from the 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 perspective of a, a, a Nazi soldier. Like, it doesn't have to be that academic. It can just be everyday life and just thinking about it a little bit beyond what is right there. And anyone, anyone that attempts to do that, it doesn't even need to work. It doesn't even need to, you know, you don't need to come to some great revelation, but anyone that attempts to think deeply has my respect. I, I, I have so much respect for anyone who tries. And I truly believe if you do try, you will, you will come to some, some, understand some slightly deeper understanding of whatever you're thinking about 
and that'll lead to more understanding and more understanding and more understanding. Every bit of thing, every bit of understanding that I've had has led me to this conversation, which has made me understand more things. And hopefully so on, unless I get hit by a truck tomorrow or something. But it is India, bro, so it's possible. <laughs> yeah. All right. I think that'll do it. Great episode. All right. Uh, I'm going to end the